Welcome to the Militant Growing Podcast. Today, I have Di Manuel, who is an empowering dadpreneur, lifestyle business and coaching extraordinaire. He's also a published author and a TEDx speaker. Di, how are you today? Uh, Sherman, doing fantastic, man. And uh, yeah, no, I'm stoked to be here. I know we're going to have a fun conversation. And, and thanks for uh, the clarifying at the beginning. I know you were asking me, like, how do I introduce you? And I'm like, you know, just the dude from Vancouver <laughs> works great, man. <laughs> right, right. You're one of those guys that probably uh, don't, doesn't like to talk much about himself. It's just like, uh, I am who I am. You know, that's what yep. it seems like. Yeah. Okay. So um, nowadays, you know, a lot of people are becoming entrepreneurs but, you know, I, I've been an entrepreneur for years and now I'm a father of four. You know? So, yeah, exactly. Damn. So Always be practicing. About, right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. So it's like now, like the landscape for me has like tra- changed drastically, yeah. you know, because it's yeah. like you can't do what a lot of other people can do, you know, because mm-hmm. you don't have a lot of time. So how do you balance being a entrepreneur and a dad at the same time oh man well i guess the the easiest way to sort of describe it is i i used to get really frustrated because i was trying to create balance you know and i i think it's like it's so nice right we hear the people say yeah work-life balance and it sounds like this lovely nirvana that once you get there life is just perfect Right, right. But I was never able to find that place, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like always searching for it. And I guess, you know, what really helped me through this and helped me sort of reframe and ultimately become more forgiving of myself. And what I mean by that is I'd always be rather negative to myself, you know, thinking like, gosh, I can't figure this thing out, you know, right. like, oh, yeah, there's this important family commitment, you know, that I really want to honor. I want to be at. But yet I've got this work thing and maybe I'm feeling pulled to do that. Well, can I do both? You know, and then it's just this constant internal battle. Mm-hmm. And no matter what you do, something's got to give. You can't be in two places at the same time. Right. And so rather than constantly trying to balance, because when you try to balance, you have to change your focus to one area. Right. Like think about a teeter totter. Mm-hmm. Well, there's one side going up as the other side's going down. Well, you can only look at one end at a time. Right. And, and so this idea of balance is interesting. It's trying to balance our frequency or time that we're focusing on the both polar opposites. And so I thought, you know, forget balance. I'm not looking for balance anymore because I can't ever find it anyways. Mm-hmm. But can I harmonize these two different areas of my life? Can I make it so they work better together? Are they more complementary? So it, it, this really transpired in me just trying to create a lifestyle that embraces that I'm not just an entrepreneur. I'm not just a dad. I'm all those things and more, you right. know, and it's not a matter of trying to compartmentalize these things, but it's rather, cause it's all me. It's my life. Mm-hmm. So, so how do I be more intentional with living it, but also more intentional with, with how I try to create this harmony or this, this, this interconnectivity between all these different things that make me who I am. Right. And I found there was a lot less guilt (laughs) around that. Um, But but then there were a few other strategies that helped me implement that, which we can jump into. But I I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? What have you been finding so far on your journey, especially with four? I only got two (laughs) kids, but you have four, man. Yeah, man. Um, I mean, honestly, it's more so like accepting myself and accepting who I am. And, you know, a lot of we're in a copy and paste society now. Right. So it's like (laughs) you read about somebody and you want to emulate their tactics and how they do it. But then 
you know, scientifically, there has been nobody on the face of the planet that is like you, that will ever be right. like you. Like we all are like, say, our two younger brothers and we're a year apart, you know, like one, two, three, you know, we were in school at the wow. same time, raised wow. in the same household and we're all different. Yeah. You know, we all don't, we don't do the same thing. Like one of my brothers is a sergeant in the army. And then wow. another one is a, a barber that owns a barbershop, which is like drastically Amazing. different from what yeah. each and every one of us do. But then it's like, you know, accepting who you are, accepting your path and your journey and just being like, you know, it's okay to freestyle mm-hmm. and be myself, you know, cause everyone yeah. doesn't have the same, you know, capacities or output or anything like that, you know? Mm-hmm. So it is similar to what you've mentioned, but it's like, you know what? I have to do whatever is best for me. Cause a lot of people yeah. say, you got to go out there and network. You got to meet people. I don't have the time for that. You know, so <laughs> like I can't just be at an event, just talking about nothing. And, yeah. you know, it's like, you know, it's just, it's just different for me. You might have the luxury and maybe I could balance off of you a little bit because you have mm-hmm. the luxury of doing that, but it's just like, you know, just more so accepting my path and my journey for myself. I love that, man. It, it, you know, it's it's interesting. There was uh, you just reminded me there was um, so it's a woman by the name of Bronnie Ware, and she did a great TED talk. But but the TED talks stemmed from a book that she wrote, and the book was called "The Five Regrets of the Dying." And you could just imagine. I know it sounds rather morbid to bring this up, but there, there's a point to this. Okay, <laughs> there's an inspiring point. Um, and you know, she she lived in Australia. She was an RN. Um, so she, she specialized in caring for people at end of life, you know, so, you know, end of life. I mean, it's, I remember my father when he was dealing with pancreatic cancer and and that, that, that last week to 10 days in the hospice, right. And just the staff and just their attentiveness and their want to just make him comfortable at that period. But can you imagine that? But now you've got a, a nurse that starts to ask questions and specifically, Hey, is there anything you regret not doing with your life? And she went one step further was she started to document all the answers she was getting. And from these responses, she found that all of the people that she had these conversations with over years and years as working as this RN was everyone had at least one, if not five of the same regrets. Hmm. And now she, she shares about this, but one of the regrets, and this is where you just reminded me of, and I got to applaud you for being so young, but also so wise. Okay. (laughs) Is that, the one regret was, I wish I chose to live a life that I wanted to live and not the life that others expected me mm. to live. You know, like yeah. this idea of constantly doing what we believe everybody expects us to do. Right. And, and right. this idea of not asking ourselves, well, what do I want to do? You know, like, mm-hmm. what do I want to be? Where do I want to find my fulfillment? You know, and because I remember I went to university. I remember that first year going into the sciences thinking, gosh, I hate the sciences. I don't really want to do this. I want to go into the arts, you know, and uh, right. but I went into the science because I thought it would make my dad proud of me. You know, I wanted to pursue a career that he would applaud and was similar path that he took. And just thinking that that's what I need to do to get my dad's attention, you know, to get his love, his praise. Mm-hmm. And uh, meanwhile, not wanting to do it, <laughs> you know, and right. I remember I pretty much flunked out that year. And I remember having a conversation with my dad talking about what I was going to do next. And, and I remember just opening up for once saying, Dad, I really just don't care for the sciences. I really don't want to do this. I want to move into the arts, you know, and and he's like, 
well, just do that. I want you to just do something that makes you happy. And I'm like, oh, dad, could you have told me this like 14 months ago? I would have saved you some money right, <laughs> and me right. a lot of heartache. Uh-huh. But but I just love that as an example because, you know, now I am a father with two girls that are both at university and I'm very, I stress it, do what you want to do. You know, like, mm-hmm. don't worry about woman, what we say, our, our decisions don't matter. At the end of the day, you got to do something that fulfills you. Right. You know? Yeah. And that's, that's, that's exactly the approach that I do with my kids. Like I look at something that they love to do and I'm like, maybe I could, you know, push them to go into a career field that's similar to what you love to do. Like Mm -hmm. I have a son that loves video games. He wants to play video games all day. (laughs) And I've read Elon (laughs) Musk's book, right? Oh yeah. And Elon Musk was like one of those kids that love to play video games, but then it's like, it teaches them processes, you know, and, Um, you know, it's like it's more so like the way he does it. I'm like, wow, he could definitely be an engineer or something of that sort because he likes to figure things out, you know. So it's like if I observe my children, I'll just be like, Well, maybe you should do this, but it's not what I want them to do, it's more so in a realm of what they already love to do, you know. Yeah, I I love that. You're guiding them though, you're exactly right, you're not not necessarily leading them. Right. I think there's a fine difference, right? Mm-hmm. I think there's this when we refer to leadership, it's often that you know it's a it's a position of influence, obviously. Right. But when you're guiding someone, there's always that choice for them to follow or not, right? Yeah. Like and where leadership, especially if you're getting paid to show up, you know, like right. it's still different with family, but they're born into it, right? It's like mm-hmm. you had no choice in the matter. This is who you are, and this is what you're stuck with. So right. Mm. <laughs> you right. Know? And, right. So I applaud you for that, man. I think that's huge. How, how do your kids respond to that? I'm just I'm curious. How, um, how do they... I mean they they actually love it. Like yeah. I just let I, I mean I just let them be themselves, you know. Mm-hmm. I say my oldest daughter, she loves to work out. She's into sports. She's into fitness. She wants to work out with me, go to the gym. But she always seen me do it. But I wasn't I was never the type of parent was like, you have to work out. You have to do this. I'm like, look, I could lead by example, do the best I can have them see the results, let them know how important it is. And then they have to make that decision. But I have noticed that it's always more powerful when the person makes a decision on their own based yeah. off of the evidence and you know the the things that the knowledge that you give them you know right. because i allow them to make sound decisions based off of evidence not by like force you know i'm like hey you don't want to eat those chips because you don't want to be overweight this is you know these chips lead to you looking like this do you want to look like that no i don't <laughs> well don't eat the chips you know instead of being like yeah. don't eat the chips you're going to be fat yeah. You know, they're not going to process that information. Like you have to really explain things to, especially my kids. Like they're not just going to take, you know, they're curious, you know, they're not going to take sure. everything for face value. So yeah, yeah that's I, the way I go about it. I was going to say, that's good though, that they don't take things for face value. I mean, it's just so easy to do that nowadays that we just are told something and we just believe it to be true. Right. Like it's mm-hmm. just, it's the le- lazy belief system, right? Like it's just, right. it's, it is, it's easy to just accept things and just, be somewhat ignorant mm-hmm. and naive, right? Like it just is. I mean, I know myself, there was certain beliefs I had even in my early twenties and into my early thirties, you know, like beliefs about myself, mm-hmm. you know, beliefs that, you know, I had to have a few drinks for people to like me, right. you know, to want to be social, like for, to want to be invited to the party. I had to be that guy that would have a few drinks because everyone thought I was a lot more fun when I had a few drinks. So I was under this belief that if I didn't have a few drinks, I wouldn't be much fun. 
you know, and it's amazing right. how we get this sort of uh, bias or, or they call it confirmation bias, right? Where, where we are, we have a little belief. It could be just a little thing, mm-hmm. but man, we try to go out and prove it to be true, you right. know, and we work so hard to prove it to be true. We often work harder to prove it to be true than to prove it to be untrue. Right. right. You know, and, yeah. and, and I'm baffled by that because I, I wasted like 15 years trying to prove it to be true where, you know, once I got my head run right, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, and I made some changes yeah, it took me about a year to 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 establish that it was not true, but also discover what was a new truth for me, you and know, what, to what rediscover me. Well, I, I don't know if you had a chance to watch my TED Talk, but I talk about this moment where my wife, you know, I, I, I used to struggle with alcohol, you know, because I had this underlying belief that for me to be someone of value, someone that people would have some esteem for, want to connect with, with respect, you know, very ego, right? Very surface, like just right. this belief that perspective is everything. So if I act this way, people will start to believe I'm this way, right? you know, and, right. but alcohol was a huge part of that, you know, because I dealt with social anxiety as a kid, I was morbidly obese as a teenager. And so just without getting into the, the, the gory details of all that, all I spent right. five years of my life feeling really low about myself. You know, and that was from age nine to 14, 15. So you can imagine, like, those are very influential years in our lives, especially yeah. as we develop. And same time, my parents separated and divorced and moved, uh, uh, you know, a couple times. It was just, you know, I can, I can paint you a sob story, but it really wasn't a sob story. I had parents that cared for us, even though we, we had separate households that my parents were living in. You, you know, we were supported. We were loved. But, you know, being now in my 40s and a little bit older than my parents were when they separated and divorced... I have a lot more appreciation for what they had to navigate back then, right. especially because back then we didn't have the internet like we do today. We don't have resources or support networks like we do today, Yeah, but they were doing the best that they could. Mm-hmm. Left me alone a lot of the time with my brother. And, you know, I learned how to self-medicate and, and to not only eat my emotions, but also influence them through video games and movies. So, you know, five years of that, Yeah, <laughs> you know, eating a lot of very unhealthy foods and, and eating a lot of volume, but also playing video games, watching movies, being very sedentary. I gained a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. And so that influenced my self-perception, my self-esteem. I mean, it's, we all know anybody that's ever been down that road or maybe you're in that path right now. I know how alone it can be, right. you know, and, and, and that isolation can also feed into a a lot of our self-perspective and not in a very positive way. So um, when I made the lifestyle changes, you know, six years to put the weight on, took me about 20 months to take it all off. So Mm -hmm. again, my point being is when we decide to make a change, it's amazing how fast the changes can happen. You know, when when we change our activities, Mm -hmm. because that's going to influence the new results. And, and so things change fairly quickly, but internally I didn't change at all. And because I mean I'm I'm freaking 17, man. My only motivation was I want a girlfriend. Okay. Right. Do you know what I mean? I was a teenage boy, man. I wanted a girl that actually yeah. wanted me. Right? right. And and I mean we can unpack that all we want, but th- that's what I wanted. And yeah. um, but then I remember going to a party, having some alcohol, and just my whole world changed. Like li- literally, like in one night. Mm. And then I started to repeat that. You know, and and you start to hang out with certain types of people. So when I look at my association, that was their normal was, you know, get together, drink, party, you know, (laughs) school, whatever, you know, like, and so it it was a very negative influence in my life at the time, but it set some things in motion for me. And Mm -hmm. uh, the next 15 years, alcohol is a big part of my life until one day after my wife and I had been together 10 years, my daughters were under the age of six, one was four, the other one was almost six years old. 
And um, my wife's like, this is it. We're done. Like, this is not a healthy environment to raise our kids in. They're aware of what's going on now. They see you. And I need to ask you a question. Are you being the type of man that you would want to marry your daughters? Oh, yeah. Oh, dude, you know, like, it was like instantly, right? Like when Mm -hmm. she asked me that question, it was just, I mean, initially, my initial knee jerk reaction was very, I was pissed off. I was like, how dare you? You know, like it just... It was like just this gut reaction. I'm just like, you know, yeah. anger, a little bit of rage, just like, oh, wanting to lash out. Mm-hmm. Also, because I was really hung over at the time, too, as she's delivering this message. So it was like, you know, this this perfect mess. Right. And. Right. But I, I, I controlled myself and I really reflected in it for a moment there and I realized what I was modeling and how I was mentoring not only my own family, but the people around me. I, I was modeling. And if, if basically I was defining what it meant to be a man, not mm-hmm. only a, a, a good man, but a great man, a great entrepreneur, a, a community leader, you know, a brother, a son, like a grandson. Like if I thought back to who I was being every day, yeah, it, I would never let anybody like me at that time, even near the people that mattered most to me in my life. Hmm. But, but that's what I was doing every day. Right. Right. And, and so it was right then and there, man, I made a change. Like literally, like just like when I changed, like when I was like overweight, one day just came to this decision, like I want to get healthy and just started to do things differently. Right. Same idea. Here I am, 32 years old. My wife asked me this question. We're talking about what it's going to look like to co-parent our kids and divorce. And I'm like, I don't want that. Right. I love you. I love my family. I love everything about this. I've worked so hard and I don't want to lose this. This is what I've always worked for. What I've always wanted. Yeah. You know, one thing to say something, but something to do the complete opposite, right? Just yeah. out of integrity, I wasn't being that guy and uh, made a change. And it, and it took about a year to really realize those changes through. But at the end of the year, my wife's like, hey, do you, do you think you'll you'll drink again? Because I, I just started one year commitment, Sherman. I was like, I'm going to go one year, no drinking. Mm-hmm. You're probably thinking to yourself, well, that's not that big of a deal. I mean, one year, what's one year? No, no, Man. it can be, depending on like how frequent you did drink, oh, it yeah. can make a big <laughs> difference, you know? Because I like- 12 X, 12 yeah. X. You know, <laughs> yeah, because it's like if you're because some people they can't even go to bed without having a drink, yes. you know, it's like yes. it becomes an addiction, you know, because I used to drink like you every time I would go to a function. It's like, OK, you know, I'll, I'll take some shots before I go. And, yep. you know, me, I'm not like the best guy when it comes to me being on alcohol, you know, because mm. it's like my past traumas and dark energy comes up and it's just like, uh, man, who, what's going on? Who are you? Uh, that's hard. You know, so I kind of went, you know, cold turkey almost like six <laughs> years ago, where it's like, you wow. know, nah, I don't want to, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, like I just didn't like it. I didn't like myself. I didn't like how I'm, I was like, if I want to, you know, feel a certain kind of way, I have to just yeah. feel that way. You know, I shouldn't have to depend on any outside substances to make me feel a certain kind of way. Oh, you know. Oh. So it's like, I need to do some work on myself so I can just feel the way I want to feel, you know? What was the work that you did? What did you end up doing? So you said no to alcohol. So like you and I sound like we had a similar story. It was just like cold turkey, right? Like just like overnight, no booze. Yeah. Yeah. So what did you do? Like, cause man, the first six weeks, like I was struggling a lot Mm -hmm. until I found help. I had to go find a, 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 you know, a therapist to work with to unpack a lot of stuff for me. And it wasn't a forever thing. It was about a four month thing. Right. But yeah, that, that was really instrumental, but I also had to change all my association. 
I realized mm-hmm. the people I was hanging out with, everybody I associated with, drinking was normal. Yeah, well, I'm in California. You know? I'm in California, so you know, marijuana <laughs> was a big thing too. You know, so right. I was like, okay, no, I don't drink. Okay, I'm gonna smoke weed. But then yeah. that was the same effect, you know. Yeah. So it's just like you know what? Because I there used to be times where I couldn't even go to sleep or rest unless I smoked marijuana. And I'm like, man, this is crazy. You know, like I relate to that. Like man. Once, it's, once it's legal, when you could go yeah. down the street and buy it. You know, it was like a, a vast difference from like how we were growing up. It's like you had to sneak and smoke weed. You know, you had yes. to like, let me go to a commercial building. Nobody's around. <laughs> you know, nobody could smell it. Okay, cool. Let me. All right. All right. Come on. Let's go. You know, police yeah. stop you. They're looking for this much weed. Now yep. you have to smoke in front of the police and yep. blow it in their face and then <laughs> you know what i'm saying and they'll probably like, say hey more please <laughs> right. <laughs> right like i right, remember yeah. a couple years ago you know it was after uh one of my friends uh grandmothers died and the reception was like right across from the police station like oh, we wow. were on the same block like the police station was like a couple steps and yeah. we were smoking you know what I'm saying? And I was just, and I was still kind of nervous. They're like, it's legal now. It don't matter. Yep. You know, so it's like that it, it's just, you know, that being said, is the accessibility is legal, but then on top of that, it could still bring certain emotions, certain feelings, yes. you know, like a, a down, it's like a legal downer. You know what I mean? Right. So yeah. it was just like, you know what, man, I don't care what society says. I don't care because you know the same with alcohol you can access it anywhere everywhere you know so it must be okay but it's not okay for you you're right but well it's what's the motivation behind it right like for me it was an escape and it was like well why do I feel like I always have to be escaping my life right you know and that and that's where it was like okay you know time to stop escaping time to own up and actually you know work through this stuff that I'm avoiding because really, yeah. that's all it was, right? It was just an avoidance practice. It was an easy way to just say, I need to unplug and relax. I've been working so hard. So this is my way of right. rewarding myself for working right. so hard. You know, like, it's amazing how I could justify it so well. Oh, yeah. Because it's, you know? it's it's such a, you know, it's like <laughs> the majority of society does it. Yeah. So it's yeah. easy to justify it. Yeah. You know, super easy. Like, oh, go here. You can have a drink. Go here. Have a drink. Have a drink. You have drinks everywhere. You know? So it's like, you can just, you know, like, who's going to tell you you're wrong for having a drink? That's right. Unless it's the person who you're at home with that's directly affected by it. Mm. And you. Because people are not going to care more about you than your wife and your children and yourself. You know what I'm saying? They just want to be around the fun version of you. You know, we all know that. <laughs> so he's funny when he's drunk or he's funny when he's hot. Totally. You know I mean? So yeah, you know, it's like self-accountability is is definitely major, you know, because yeah, because I will smell like weed and go around my kids and I'll have the most mm. evilest eyes looking at me. Oh, like, <laughs> like, what are like, oh, you stink, get away, you know? Uh, it's like, yeah, it's, it's bad, you know. Then I had to think about it. It's like, wow, what am I doing? Yeah, you know, like, I don't want my kid to be like, why does daddy smell like that? What is he doing? Oh, that's weed. Oh, I'm gonna try it. Yes. And I'm and I'm 11, 12 years old. You know, the first time I drank gin was at my friend's, friend's house because his dad just had an open gin bottle. Oh, you know, and I'm yeah. 12, yeah. 13 years old. So it's like, 
you know a lot of this a lot of this stuff is important you know if it's in your house your kids could probably partake in it that's right <laughs> and it's like, well, do we have conversations with them with just what does it mean to be responsible with these things? You know, because I, yeah. I, I like to make sure that my kids don't feel like I'm vilifying things. I found that that doesn't typically work because I'm not trying to vilify it. I'm not trying to say, right. oh, it's evil. It's like, mm-hmm. but the intentions behind why we utilize it, you know, right. what's meant to be a recreational activity has become just a normal activity. An everyday activity, right? So right. We, we have to often just ask ourselves, well, what, what are either you know like what is our motivation for wanting to have it mm-hmm. you know and, and is it are we looking for a solution here are we thinking that this is like taking a medication to, to cure some ailment like right. because i don't know it didn't matter how much i drank or how much i smoked i don't know the problem was there when i sobered up still <laughs> you right, know so right, right, i, I never right. found i woke up from the next day with that hangover thinking wow life sure is better today uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know? right um, much as I try to fool myself into believing that. So I, I think it's looking at what's the motivation for doing the activity, right? Yeah. And uh, because that's, it all starts, it's a personal choice. At the end of the day, it's a personal choice. You know? Yeah. And, and so do you think that people, you know, just like they want to be victims and they use mm. that as an excuse to like partake in certain behaviors and not be like a, you know, like, okay, I need to change this. You know, no matter what is going on in my life, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just mm-hmm. have to change. I have to do this for myself. But a lot of times people just want to remain victims so they can use that as a crutch to remain in the type of mentalities that they're in. You know, I can speak from my own experience to that. It's true. You know, like from my own experience, you know, and I think back to some of the own, my own situations that I've kept perpetuating, because I think at the end of the day, we can all admit it's easier to not change than to change. Right. You know, it's a lot easier to just stay as is. And then it's a lot easier just to try to justify why it's okay to stay that way. Mm -hmm. Even though deep down, we may not feel very fulfilled. We might be dealing with some guilt, some shame, maybe some self-blaming. You know, there might be some really negative self-perceptions around the activity or the reasons why we continue to do that. Right. It, you know, whether it's a past trauma or something significant that we're we're really just trying to self-medicate, you know, yeah. and, and but but we have to recognize and we have to own that this is not a kind of medication that you take for a short period of time and it cures all these other symptoms. It, it, it really just masks the symptoms. Yeah. You know, and it rarely ever deals with the root cause. Right. It only took me 15 years to figure that out. Okay. Right. So, you know, like, uh, don't be me. Figure it out quicker. Right. But yeah. I, I think it's just, again, being open enough to ask ourselves it's like, do I like myself when I do this? You know, is my motivation to do this a positive one? Right. You know, and is that real? <laughs> you right. know, because I think when we start to justify our things, it's like, if we ever said that out loud to another person, we already know right away. If we're feeling any sort of like, mm, maybe I shouldn't mention this to this person because it, because as soon as we say it and we say it openly, usually to another person, it, we invite judgment and feedback. Right. And sometimes we're like, oh man, well, it sounded great when I was saying it to myself in my own head. Now that I've said it out loud, I realize, you know what? Maybe that's not the best reason. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So finding someone to hold you accountable, a coach, a mentor, uh, you know, uh, if if you're religious, you know, maybe a priest or your 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 reverend, you know, your 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 pastor, like whatever, your rabbi, like it doesn't matter. But if you have somebody that you can have an open dialogue with, 
Mm-hmm. To just sort of share what's going on. Like for me, it was a therapist. I needed somebody that didn't know my background. Right. Didn't have any sort of personal connection. It was just somebody that had gone to school, had a lot of experience helping people navigate this conversation, you mm-hmm. know, and, and it was very helpful for me. Um, so I, I encourage people, you know, look into it. Like it just, but if the more you try to bottle it up and justify to yourself all day long, you'll never be wrong. Right. Okay? Just yeah. let you know that you'll never be wrong. So it's safe to do that. Mm-hmm. But you're limiting yourself to what's on the other side of the change. Right. Right. You know, and, and so with this being said, right. So yeah. you got in shape, you you're married, you have two kids yeah. and basically you created what you wanted out of life, out of like, you know, even though you were going through the tough times of drinking and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So why do you think that an individual that basically has exactly what he wants out of life mm-hmm. will not become the best version of mm-hmm. himself or themselves to keep it and to maintain mm-hmm. it? You know? Right. Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I, I guess, you know, there's a couple different motivations there or reasons that we could share. I, I, I know that, um, like, like change is, is, is challenging, right? Like, especially the longer we've been doing something, mm-hmm. it, it's more than just a habit, right? Like right. It, it's, it's now a ritual. It's like part of me, you know, right. if I had to define myself or think about what makes me, me, that activity may be a big part of it. And that's, that's what it was for me. You know, there was such a big identity piece attached to drinking and the drinking version of me, because mm-hmm. it didn't matter like professionally and personally, it was so tightly intertwined. Right. Right. Like, you know, we were talking about this work life balance situation. Well, it was like alcohol was present in both areas. So it was just Mm -hmm. ubiquitous. Right. It was just there all the time. I went to a business meeting or I had a supplier in town or I went to a conference. I mean, it was just alcohol everywhere. Yeah. And it was okay. It was normal. It was accepted, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, so it's easy to just sort of fall into that pattern. And I think that's where the challenge is because we start to identify that this is just who I am and this is how I am. Yeah. Even though it may leave us feeling less than fulfilled, you mm-hmm. know, and, and less positive outlook on ourselves personally, but right. we're okay to justify that away. You know, right. it's like, oh, if I have another drink, I won't worry about that, you know, like whatever. Or right. you have one great <laughs> night out with a bunch of people. Right. And, everyone's talking about the next day around the water cooler at work or, you know, and there's sort of this edification of the activity or the night that was right. Yeah. It's sort of the, the, like, you know, I I think about the movies hangover as an example. Mm -hmm. Right. I know I was never to that extreme of course, but there was moments that yeah. Blackout, not remember what I did was fairly common, but we get movies like this in the media and it glorifies this. Right. It romanticizes this kind of a lifestyle. Right. Right. I mean, we look at different music genres as well. Like I I think back to even the eighties, all the old hair bands, right. Like the Motley Crue's of the world. I mean, look at their songs, girls, 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 right. Like (laughs) it's just, there's certain messages that became part of our cultural conversations, you know, at least depending on what sort of society or culture that you were associating with. And, uh, so anyways, there's, there's to unpack all this, obviously it's more than a conversation, but I can just say for myself, it, it was just this recognizing that it, is there more to life than this? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and I think that that's sort of the short answer of uh, your question is, you know, when you start to really question 
you know, is this it? Like, is this the culmination of my life? Is this what it is? Is this all it's going to be? Like, is this, have I made it? Because mm-hmm. right. I know when I looked at that, it was just, I was an autopilot. I wow. wasn't feeling very fulfilled. Right. You know? Right. And, and so it was just easy to stay in that pattern. It was easy. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just yeah, very simple. I, and yeah. uh, I limited my own growth because of that. I know that. Would yeah. life be different today if I had come to this realization earlier in life? Maybe, but I wouldn't have been ready to make the change. Yeah. But it's like, it. well, when I think about that, it's like, at least you were able to learn from it, you know, because sometimes sure. I feel like a lot of us have to go through things and conquer mm-hmm. it, you know, just so we can know what we don't want. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, sometimes well yeah. that's the only way you'll know what you don't want is if you actually have it and you grasp it like ah, you know, because you could be a you could be in your lane right now and be like, oh, I think I want to just get a job and be a corporate guy and just be simple. But now you know that that's not what you want. You know what I'm saying? Because you already had it and you attained that. And so with that yes. being said, right, you model your life and your work based off of the five F's. So can you explain to us what the five F's is and how that actually like helps you become, well, helps you remain a great version of you? Well, it's a constant work in progress. And I think that's one thing I want to leave with everybody today is that, you know, this idea of self-improvement or self-development or professional improvement and development, it's never something that you stop. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like going to the gym, right? Working out. Okay, I'm fit now. I guess I don't have to work out anymore. <laughs> I mean, right. it's like, right. I don't think so. Right. <laughs> like it's, it's very, very quickly. It doesn't take long for all th- this positive lifestyle benefits that mm-hmm. you've gained through the activity and consistency. It will regress, right? That that inaction is actually regression over time. Right. And, right. and this applies to all areas of life. You know, I, I don't know of any areas that it doesn't apply, but mm-hmm. it, it's... This five S is just a simple way of giving people almost, um, think about it more like a metaphor. You, you know, like if you think about your life and you are an architect designing the life you want and your life is representative of a home, mm-hmm. a house. Now I'm going to go super basic here because I'm not very artistic. Okay. So <laughs> you can imagine the old school house. You've got four walls, a little triangle roof, and it's on some sort of foundation. Right. And, yeah. uh, I mean, that's how my kids used to draw houses. I still draw them that way. Okay. So, (laughs) you know, very simple. But if you think about it this way, if you're Mm -hmm. the architect for your own life, what are you designing? What are you developing? What are you building? Right. And for me, it's very important to align values because values give me direction. Right. And and it also helps me solidify the intentions. You know, it also allows me to say yes and no much more clearly. There's not no more room for maybes because once you figure out what your core values are, I mean, these are the things you never negotiate on. Right. Right. They are non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. These are the things that are tried and true. Uh, as an example, you know, years ago, I made a decision that I was not going to ever get back to a 60 hour work week. It's like never again. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm not going down that path. And also whatever career path I decide to do, even in my own business, if it takes me away from my family for extended periods of time, it's an easy no. Right. Because family is one of those non-negotiable values. Right. So I'm not willing to trade off on that value, even if it means earning more money. Mm -hmm. Right. So that is just one example. So I use five F's 
to use as alliteration to describe the four walls on the roof. Okay. So you've got fitness, faith, family, finances, overarching roof of fun. Mm-hmm. And it's built on a foundation of health. All right. And because health is reinforced by all those little things, you know, you yeah. can have financial health and financial fitness. You can have your yeah. mental health and mental fitness. Fitness is really just the activity of doing something intentional to see improvement in that area. Mm-hmm. You know, the activity of fitness is great for health, for mental health, physical health, spiritual health. I mean, it's pretty easy. You go to the gym, there's not just the physical benefits. There's so much more benefit. I know you can yeah. attest. I'm looking at you, Sherman. I'm like, you're jacked, you're fit. You're a guy <laughs> that lives a lifestyle, but yeah. you pride yourself on the activity because it probably makes you feel good and it makes you show up as a better version of you. Oh, definitely. You know? Yeah. And same for me. I know mm-hmm. that. I know that about myself, right? Mm-hmm. So that's my way of sort of giving people the tools. Now, you don't have to use the same values as me, yeah. but I need to provide that as an example of something that can be modeled. But now you have to get clear. Well, what are those sort of four or five core values that make up the walls of your house? Right. Because if there's a storm in your life, and trust me, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter right. of when the storm comes. Mm-hmm. That's going to, you know, I might have a tornado come through and it's going to challenge that house that you've built, that life that you've built. Right. But your resiliency lies in the materials that you use to reinforce those values. Yeah. So you can sort of see where I'm going with this metaphor, right? Mm-hmm. And and so this is my way of sort of introducing this idea of values, but also intentionality of reinforcing values. Right. And uh, and so I invite people just just figure out what yours are. Design your house. Imagine your life, and then start to reinforce those walls by doing the things that make those things stronger and more resilient. So you want to improve your fitness, go to the gym, you know, get yourself a bike, start walking every day. Like it doesn't matter what you do. Mm -hmm. Just matters that you do it, you know? Yeah. So yeah, that's sort of the five apps anyways. That's crazy because I have the five pillars of the militant rise. So I'm also writing a book about it. Same idea. Yeah. So it's like, but then I feel like it's important for us to share, you know, our beliefs because I could take your five F's and create my own or someone could take my five pillars mm-hmm. and create their own but it's like there's yes. no right or wrong way is how we are yeah. designing our life like mine is love strength honor discipline and wisdom you know that's what i base my life off of and you might say well what it. about well that's good for you this is what i base <laughs> mine off of you know what i'm saying yeah that's okay Absolutely. you know if you want to create your own and implement whatever you want to then hey kudos to you you know what i mean but some of that stuff is non-negotiable for sure. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, like it's I, gotta I'm, be. Yeah. I'm with you, man. Cause I mean, I had a remote position and you know, mm-hmm. I, I was doing uh, mortgages over the phone at home and I couldn't even yeah. say good night to my children, you know, cause I was on the phone. Uh, so late. You know, wow. I couldn't say, and they'll come in good night, daddy. I'm on the phone. Good night, good night, good, go, go. You know what I mean? Oh. And like, who wants to, who wants yeah, to live? It's hard. You know what I mean? That's, that's tough. Yeah. So yeah, I like, trust me, I'm with you. But then it's like, as long as we have, you know, what we're not going to break or what we're not going to nego- negotiate from, you know what I'm saying? More than likely, however we design our lives is going to happen because we're just going to attract that, you know? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And also it's boundaries, right? It, it helps yeah. us reinforce boundaries. I mean, it's, uh, like I see a lot of those boundaries get challenged. I know mine have been challenged many times in the past, but when you start to really defend your boundaries, yeah, it's empowering. It feels yeah. good. 
because you're yeah. honoring yourself and you're honoring what's important to you. Yes. You know, and if yeah. you're in a workplace or a work environment that doesn't allow you that flexibility to honor what's important to you, well, maybe there's another opportunity out there that's a better fit. Yeah. And I think workplaces are becoming very wise to this. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of conversations online and offline especially in this sort of employment conversation, you, right. you know, and that the, the millennials have been really good at pushing that. Yeah. You know, like that's, that's more important to them than the money and the recognition. It's the lifestyle. Yeah. It's like, can I live the kind of life that I want to live? And will this be complementary as well as helpful in achieving that, you know? Yeah. And as much as we talk about this work-life balance, they're not looking for balance, but they are looking for harmony. Yeah. You know? Yeah, definitely, because it's like a lot of stuff that the former generation ignored. We're like, nah, we know what happens Mm -hmm. when you don't exercise, (laughs) you know? So, you know, now I I went to the uh, Google and Marina Del Rey, and Mm -hmm. they had a gym there, like a full service gym Mm -hmm. that a place where you could sit down and play video games. They had, you know, (laughs) chefs there, you know what I'm saying? And I was just like, "Wow. wow, you know, like I would love to work here. Give me a job yeah. doing anything. I could take a break and go work out downstairs. Oh man, like That's right. sign me <laughs> up, you know? <laughs> yeah. But it's like they're paying totally. attention to, you know, what we want and what we value. And that's going to make us better right. employees and better people, you know, because how exactly. can you get the best out of someone where you're draining the life out of them and not replenishing mm-hmm. it in some kind of way? You know, so so yes. well said. Yeah, yeah, so we're we're definitely big proponents. It's like, why do I have to drive 50 miles a day to sit at a computer <laughs> when I have a computer at home? Like, I, that's right. <laughs> yeah, you know, like I, I used to think about that. I'm like, I'm waking up, getting dressed. Like this was like in 2013 when I worked for uh, Wells Fargo. I was like, so mm-hmm. I'm waking up, getting dressed, driving in traffic, doing all of this just to come and sit down on a computer <laughs> and do exactly what I could do when I'm at home. Yes. You know, like it it just really got to me. I'm just like something, you know, but now they're just now getting into it. But I was just like, you know, something has to change. <laughs> something has to change. Totally. Oh man. And just took a pandemic to change the world, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, like uh that disease changed a lot. So now it's like Zoom is a lot, you know, Zoom meetings and you know, with I mean, with that came a lot of innovation yep. though, too. So you know, I'm definitely um, so definitely a little proud of that because it's like a lot of people are more, you know, online yeah. and, you know, AI and all of these different things just came about mm-hmm. us being at home. Because when you have some type of dire situation, that does spark innovation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we all yeah, does. That. You're right. <laughs> right. True. So, um, yeah. So, Di, in closing, yeah. I'd like to ask you, <laughs> how would you how would you. One, like say when it's all said and done, how would you want to impact yeah. the world and what would you want to leave behind? You know, I often think about this, you know, like if it, if I, if I, that, that day, whatever fateful day, hopefully it's like a hundred years in the future from now, right? I want to live to be 150. <laughs> I want to, I want to, I want to be that guy, right? Like that lives that long, but you know, whatever day I find myself on that bed, you know, and, and yeah. reflecting on my life, I, I really truly want to be able to look at the, the, the faces around me that all are filled with that unconditional love of people that I've impacted directly, mm-hmm. you know, because I also know through the impact made in those people's lives, those that surround my bed, 
you know, that, that, that personal family, those, those, those offspring, those grandkids or great grandkids or great, great, great grandkids. I live to be 150, right? right. <laughs> but knowing that they've all gone and made an impact in the world as well, mm-hmm. gives me this confidence that when I leave, I am leaving this place better than it was when I got here. Right. You know, and whatever that is, I'm not so critical to try to, to, to quantify nor qualify that just knowing that, I can honestly sit there in my heart of hearts and be like, it's okay to go now because I've done my job. Yeah. This place is better because I was here, mm-hmm. you know? And, and sometimes I think we have to look at those smiling faces of the people that are in our families and our immediate communities. Cause that's, that's the real impact. Yeah. You know, that's felt the waves. Right. And uh, so, yeah, everything I, I sort of look at the, the local to the global. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, but it's the local that I know I have the most direct impact on. And yeah. so that's where I spend a lot of my time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I tell people that often. I'm like, you know, the world has been in existence for millions of years and lo- hopefully we'll be able to live <laughs> yeah. past 75. So it's like, that's a smidgen, yeah. you know? So it's like, but then no right. telling, you know, what may spark just by you being the best version of yourself, you know, 500 years from now, you know what I mean? So that's it's right. like, you know, you just, you just never know. You probably could indirectly impact the world that's right but a lot of times so we want to measure it we want to quantify it you know we want to do something like somebody might watch this podcast and be ex- inspired to stop drinking and then they're treating their family better and then their kids become yeah. a noble priest prize winner like we don't know you know that, that's, that's right probably happy you know what i mean <laughs> and yeah. but that is that is exactly the way that we create impact you know, is the interconnectivity of all our lives, right? Like, yep. And I, I think that sometimes we're quick to just look at ourselves and think, I'm not doing enough. Right. You know, it's it's easy. I felt like that many a times in my life. Like, man, could, I should be doing more. Maybe I, I, I ought to be doing more. And like, you know, feeling this sort of thing, like I have to be doing something. Mm-hmm. And rather than just looking at what I am doing every right. day and how right. is that impacting the people that matter most to me in my life, you know, and, and, uh, it's that change of focus and intention. Mm-hmm. It's so much more empowering when you do refocus things and sort of reframe things around that because, yeah. well, at least for myself, I could just speaking from my own personal experience. It just, it, it, it now leaves me in this place where every day at the end of the day, I can be grateful that I know I've made an impact positively in at least somebody's life, whether it be yeah. my kids, you know, my, my local community, you know, even maybe somebody online that I shared a piece of content and it inspired or motivated or educated them something that they were struggling with. Right. Like that to me is, is great. Like that's, that's enough, man. It's enough. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You'll be surprised. I remember a guy was just like, man, I just see you walking with your kids and that inspires mm. me so much and i was just like really like we don't even talk like oh, it's sometimes yes. <laughs> you know sometimes it's just like you being yes. seen you know you could be at the gym yes. somebody's looking like wow look at that guy you know he's he's and they probably mm. never will say anything to you but it's like as long as you operate right. in the best version of you you know we'll continue to make that change and kudos to you for being that like oh. You told me you had daughters in college and I was Likewise, like, sure. quite surprised, you know, like, wow, this guy looks good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, I, it's lifestyle choices, you know, it's nutrition, it's fitness, but more importantly, how I manage my mental health, you know, yeah. like I think I attribute a lot of that, but also, you know, my, my genetics are favorable. My mom is just, 
you know, even though she's almost 80, she looks great, you know? So mm-hmm. I, I, I'm hope to follow her suit, you know, is, uh, right. if I can keep following my moms, I'll be okay. But, uh, thank you. That was kind of you to say, but, uh, th- there's days I wake up and I recognize I'm 46. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, oh man, those deadlifts. I don't remember feeling this like this after doing a day of deadlifts. Oh right. yeah. I'm, I'm getting older. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, know? you definitely got to have those rest days. Trust me. I, I know. Yeah, you can. Yeah. Oh my gosh, man! Totally. <laughs> right, right, right. So, die. Um, thank you, Sherman. Though I, I want to acknowledge you first, man, and just say thank you for creating this platform to capture these conversations. It's absolutely phenomenal, and just uh, you know, I really feel honored uh, and and very grateful for the opportunity to be here today. So, uh, just I wanted to make sure I got that in before we said goodbye. Okay. Oh no, so, no problem, man. I definitely appreciate you. We've been. <laughs> This has been uh, like a month and a couple of weeks in the process. So I'm glad we, <laughs> we, got, we got it down. It happened. You know, I was like, oh, my God, that, that interview. So I know. Oh, man, I remember talking to this guy in September or something, you know. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it, like glad it happened. storm after another storm. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. Yeah, we definitely got to do, you know, another one, too, man. Like I, I really enjoyed this Love conversation, that. you know, and thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing your story thank you for being vulnerable most of all you know i thank definitely you. i, I really sharing. appreciate it because this is going to inspire man. a lot of people you know and so um <laughs> die where can they find you um you know you don't spell your name mm-hmm. d-i-e so spell <laughs> <out>. <laughs> yeah even though it's enunciated that way it's spelled d-a-i which is a welsh spelling and it actually means david it's sort of a pet form of David mm-hmm. um, in Wales. Yeah, but uh, so I've got some Welsh background, but I've also got some Portuguese background. That's why the last name is Manuel. So I know okay. everyone's like, whoa, that is weird. Yeah, it is weird. <laughs> but it's easy to find right. if you can spell it right. And because uh, right, right, right. it's unencumbered on every social media network. So literally on any social platform, if you can type my name in, you're going to find me. Just okay. shoot me a message, you know, say, hey, right. you know, like I heard you and Sherman talking. This is a big change I'm working on. Or here's my values and how I honor them. I, I love hearing people talk about that stuff. Mm-hmm. So shoot me a note. Let me know. And, uh, you know, we'll pick up the conversation wherever, wherever it takes us. All right, man. Thank you again, guys. It's D-A-I Manuel, M-A-N-U-E-L. <laughs> All right. Thanks, so Sherman. and also the website so appreciative, is Dan- man. No, no, no problem. And it's oh. diamanwell.com, right? Oh, yes. I, I forgot to mention that. I do have a website. There's about 1,800 articles on there. I've been blogging since, oh my gosh, like 2007, like mm. forever. You know, as I say to my kids, I'm an OG. And uh, <laughs> that means old guy. Okay. Right. Old guy. Not what you guys think. I know you're thinking original. No, 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 no. I'm an old guy when it comes to blogging, an OG. <laughs> but um, lots of articles to help people with change and fitness and nutrition and just it is a bit of a rabbit hole. Like I do let people know that. Make sure you got some time if you're going to go there. Because once you start going into the search function, you start looking for topics, you'll find stuff. Right. And it's a it's just a windy rabbit hole of stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I encourage people go there, you know, look something up. Like maybe you're interested in intermittent fasting. Well, I know I've written about a dozen articles on intermittent fasting and strategies and how to's. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's just an example. Right. So right. Um, thanks for bringing that up, Sherman. I totally forgot to mention my own website. Oh, okay. but, uh, thank I, you. I got you. I, <laughs> I can tell you. you're the professional, not me. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. I got you. I, I really do this. <laughs> Okay. Well, all right, Di, again, thank you so much. Thanks for sharing your story. And I'll, I'll get with you next time. Hell yeah. Thanks, Sherman. Right. No problem.